from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play in heaven. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 23 of the Draft Rugby Show. Uh, I'm... Oh, sorry, the show... Come on, mate. It's been one week. Do we, this is, is this a restart for the yeah. first time ever? We're definitely <laughs> restarting. It's too late. Um, <clears throat> Welcome to Season 6, Episode 23 of the Draft Rugby Show, the show they play in heaven. I'm your host, Kagi, and joined by my co-hosts, Harry and Nelson Dale. Lads, welcome. How are you both? Very good, mate, and very good of you to get that uh, that right first go as well. Definitely not the umpteenth time you've said that. Um, mate, I've had a very good weekend. I've got some big news to announce on the pod. Uh, confirmed that I'll be having a little baby girl in January. So hey, very mate. exciting uh, talking about that and seeing it, finding out for sure on Sunday with the family. You just saved that for a live reaction on the pod. This is the first time I'm hearing this. <laughs> Oh, I, did. I did. I, I did tell. I did tell the other boys at Fantasy Footy Night, but you didn't show. So, otherwise, I see. Wow, that's a that's a real stab there. Um, I'm gonna have to go crack open a beer for you, mate. Let's say, um, no, oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, yeah, very excited. It's, it's commiserations to the planet because again, yet another Dale gracing our gracing the planet. But um, huge yeah. for you. That's awesome. Well, Nelson and I did discuss before uh, before I found out if it was a boy or a girl, and we did decide it was better if it was a girl because where rugby professionally is at the moment, there's more chance of a female making Australia for the rugby side than the men's side. So, yes, I know, you know, the develop the professional development is going to go a long way in the next 20 years, or let's say 18 years could be a time. Um, but uh, I, I like those odds. I think that's better, really. I don't know. I don't have the gene for the men's. <laughs> I'm uh I'm also good, Craig's. I'm uh, three weeks away from the birth of my child. I don't know the gender yet, so now I'm a little bit in favour of wanting a girl, just so it's the same as Harry. Um, but either way, my child will be better at sports, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but at least that way, there can be a direct competition between the two of them. That's the most Dale uh, sibling rivalry I've ever uh, ever seen, um, which is that Nelson wanted to have a child just to beat Harry's child, have one first, um, and then now in, re- revert the uh, the relationship, having the older sibling of the two, um, you know, forever changing the balance of power, uh, if you will. That's right. <laughs> Um, excellent. Well, uh, that's uh, some heartwarming news there. Um, but today on the pod, uh, of course, Super Rugby Pacific came to a conclusion a week or two ago when we... Uh, didn't get our act together. Um, definitely not my fault for not being available um, at all uh, or mucking the boys around. But um, None of ours, all completely available. <laughs> um, but no, so we won't talk about the Super uh, Rugby Pacific Grand Final, except we will uh, we'll, a tip of the hat to uh, to Razor Robertson with his perfect seven from seven. Pretty incredible. I mean, even when you talk to non-rugby fans, they find that pretty, uh, pretty astonishing, pretty hard to believe. So um, what a good Super Rugby se- season. Phenomenal, mate. Absolutely phenomenal. Yes, I, I can't believe the Crusaders won. Honestly, with the the rap sheet that they had of injuries, it was just insane. Um, just an absolute champion team, and disappointed for the Chiefs. But what a what a competition! They were the best two sides. It was an awesome final. Realistically, I think this year showed uh, that the Crusaders are everything we thought and more. Because not only did they 
do it throughout the year. They had to build through this year and come good at the right time under very different circumstances. And boy, did they do that well. So, yeah, congrats to them. That's good from you, Nelson, as well. I just, the way you started that sentence, I fully expected you to lead on to. This year showed that we definitely don't need South Africa and starting to heap on on, on them again. That's that's how I thought that was going to go from you, but but no, very good. Um, no, yeah, it did it did certainly show the best of the Crusaders get that done. But um, I mean, we uh, we had a couple of other finals, right? You, I don't know if we've announced yet that you came dead last in ours. You got Lord and Spoon, and I went down in our final for fantasy footy for those that uh, play a better fantasy footy themselves as well. So commiserations all around, mainly for you, but all around. It's true. I, I look. I mean, I don't know how many times Nelson's name is on the wooden spoon, but I did never think I would find my my own name on it. Um, I, always I always thought it was pretty likely. I always thought there's a high likelihood. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. Look, if we look at, we should actually look back to see who had the most weeks at the bottom of the table this oh, season. Oh, me by because it, it could have been Harry, and Harry still ended yeah, up in the final, which it is the hell of a story. Went, so he he had the you know the bullet, the Mario Kart bullet that brought him to the front, getting to pick first for the first fourteen rounds of Super Rugby. I think that's pretty strong. Yep, catch up mode at its finest. It, it, it just shows how 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 much we perfected the game of fantasy rugby um, with draft rugby, and in that how close we had it all all the way through to the end. I mean, how yeah. good was the last round? We're all. I mean, I couldn't sleep at all. Uh, I was rechecking the scores uh, all night. Uh, so I, I did come the wooden spoon, but thankfully I didn't come last in the general season. So there will not be a sexy calendar from yours truly. That will uh, be saved for. Chrissy Nabung, who is now the new bum of the two Nabung brothers. But uh, let's get on. We're going to talk some some footy tonight. We're going to, for entree, we're going to talk about the under-20s Rugby World Cup. That's been awesome and um, is continuing to to push on. Uh, for main course, uh, sorry, we're going to talk about the Wallaroos and the Black Ferns as well. And then for main course, we're going to look at um, a bunch of these Smokies polls that um, everyone's loved getting involved with on draft, uh, with draft rugby on Twitter um just kind of uh, wallabies smokies and a, a bit of a playoff kind of uh popularity contest really um and then we're going to talk about uh choosing your halves in in the wallabies uh team and then i think we'll kind of round it out dessert just looking at our wallabies 15 um for you know the upcoming rugby championship and perhaps even if we think of as far ahead as the world, world cup so um yeah a lot of things uh wallabies in tonight's pod and I can't, I, I love talking Wallabies, but I can't wait to talk Eddie's Wallabies. We've never actually had the chance to do that. So I'm buzzed to be able to do that. But yeah, the, the Rugby World Cup under 20s is well underway. And, and there's some big high hopes for the under 20s Aussie side. Um, it, one thing that I've noticed, I think, in these first two rounds is not, yes, I, I had hope for the Aussies. The Aussies still have very good signs there. Um, <laughs> we came up against Ireland uh, in, in our last matchup, who were the Six Nations champions. But, geez, the Northern Hemisphere, they just, in all honesty, they do their development better. They've, they've come off the back of a Six Nations under-20s, rolled into this where our guys have played the Kiwis twice, and that's about it. You know, that's that's all we've really had. There hasn't been much time to build cohesion, um, and it, it's a little bit frustrating to to see, you know, where we stand at the moment. In fact, that we're getting very close uh, without that that time to to gel, but um, it's been an exciting time nonetheless. Yeah, let's let's not forget that um, we came second in the last Under-20s World Cup, so it's not like we've just disappeared off the face of the earth. We had two games against New Zealand before this, and we beat them once and just lost in 
Wellington after that as well, despite missing some of our top players. I mean, we were missing our first choice fullback. We were missing our first choice 10. And Tommy Liner would have been an absolute gold star player for us in this game, playing in the wet as well. The biggest thing for me here was the Australian side just did not look like they knew how to play test match footy. They played low percentages. They didn't take their points. They didn't kick that well. They were completely outplayed tactically by the Irish side. But I think for the first 50 minutes, we looked the more talented side. Ireland were gritty, played really smart, and then rolled over the top of us late when we couldn't get any pay and just made too many bad decisions. So there's there's so much hope for that Aussie under-20 side. You know, they obviously went down 10 to 30 against Ireland and uh, four days prior, I think, had, had towed up, not towed up, but take, taken Fiji down 46 to 37 despite a late red card. Um, scored some points late there when the subs came on. So there's there's a lot of hope, but, I mean, I was just pulling my hair out in that game, just so frustrated watching the tactics. And I just got – there's just shades of Michael Hooper again, just like, oh, back the boys, we're in a bad situation. The only way I can give my team confidence is by going for a try every single time we have a penalty in the half. You're 40 out straight in front, kick the points. Like, do not go to touch – they had a 20-metre line-out off that, threw it over the top, completely missed it. It was just such bad footy. It's so, so frustrating to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, the, the, I mean, there was, the, of course, the the red card in the Irish game, which uh, I'm sure you guys have been going back and forth with on Twitter um, nonstop <laughs> for a while. Been a, been a few red cards. I think it's just been a frustrating year with, um, for me, it's been inconsistent, uh, I found, just in, in terms of particularly the head-on-head contact. Like, you know, we've talked about it before, whether it's good or not for the game, it's better for the players. It's any direct contact to the head should be should be a red. And and this one was, but there's times when, I mean, look at the Super Rugby final with Anton Leonard Brown got away with a yellow, things like that. It's just been uh, inconsistent all year. Is that what you guys have found? Yeah, I think the inconsistency is the issue. Um, I mean, even we scroll back to the 2019 World Cup, uh, Samu Karevi lifts his elbow into contact and gets sent off. Yet we had in this match in the under-20s against Ireland, we had an Irish player last second duck his head and ram it into a bloke, the side of a bloke's head who was bent at the hip to tackle him, you know, at below the chest height. Um, if if we're going to try to put defenders in a certain position and that they can be at risk for, for certain things in those positions, we also have to protect them. You know, we, we can't go, you have to tackle like this players running it you can elbow you knee knee you head you do whatever they want to you that to me that there's a huge issue if we're we're looking after one of those two players um and the player that did that the irish player he also in the last year in his first game for ireland did the exact same thing knocked himself out and the other player out like this is not the first time the guy's done it he gets play gets to play on and then they, they call it up after the match and, and give him a ban that's I mean, it doesn't doesn't help anything, but it, it's good to see him, you know, hopefully be able to take the learnings from this that it's been pulled up afterwards. But, geez, there's an issue. There's a lot of people there that were defending it, saying it's absolutely okay that happens all game. No, it doesn't. No one rams their head last second into another. Well, it's illegal, right? Like we we brought the laws up on Twitter during it during the game, and it is illegal. Yeah. So you can you can say what you want, but. It's uh, it, it's against the law to duck your head like that and leave with the head into contact. So, look, I it's it's disappointing on two fronts, right? On, on so many fronts, it's disappointing because in the game, these things need to be picked up. And as Kagi says, it's just still too inconsistent. Like this stuff is obvious watching the game live. 
How is it that these professional teams, in particular the TMO, is not actually picking it up? And then secondly, Australia loses their their open side flanker, one of our best forwards, to concussion from that hit. And then thirdly, Ireland now are down one player from a red, I think another maybe from a concussion. No, two players from red cards, I think, um, from that game, post-game. Like, it's it's awful for Ireland as well because of those bad actions that they're now going to have so many players out for the rest of the competition. Australia obviously already missing Marley Pierce from a red card, so it, it's frustrating to see the the quality of a competition being really tarnished by these red cards that are still occurring at a high rate, particularly after a Super Rugby season where seemingly we were past this. And also, it's just been ref so inconsistently that when it should have an effect on a game as a deterrent, it's not. Yep. It's just it's just wrong on every level. I just I just it really stinks how it's how it's been followed through with at the moment. I think that's a great point. Like obviously, with the inconsistency, you never like get it right. But it it does. It's really felt like the times that they've got it wrong have really been the times it's needed to happen, and other times perhaps you could have got away with it. I, I don't yeah. know. It's been so that's that's maybe added fuel to the you know. Fuel, uh, I feel like I agree, and that's one hundred percent a bias of it happened against Australia. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, moving on from that, I mean, another thing uh, that I know you guys really want to talk about um, South Africa and Italy, and um, I'll let you get onto that in a second. But before that, speaking of another thing that annoyed me just um, was in the in the France um, uh, New Zealand game uh, was there was another case of the. The leading with the forearm, bumping someone off, getting a mm. getting a card, and that was so. Maka Springer scored. I thought what I thought was a great try, um, hard fought try in the corner. Went up against his opposite number, you know, gave him a big see see you later. Bumped him off and um, ran yeah, over but... him for a try, and you know was called back. So try rescinded, like a much needed try rescinded, and then he was sent off with a card. And I just thought, like I get the no contact to the head, but it's like. I hate when an attacking player gets like carded for running at someone. Essentially, do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's a defensive play where you should you should get penalised for the wrong action in a defensive let's, action. Let's take let's take an action like let's take the extreme, Craig's. If I was running and I punched someone in the yeah. face as I was running with the ball, should I be red carded for taking a legal action? Look, but that's that's not rugby, mate. Unless you're playing for Baronier, that's not rugby. But I'm just saying, like that that's essentially what how they're ruling this, right? You, he's thrown his forearm into someone's face, which has knocked him off his feet and taking away his ability to make a tackle. So while it's disappointing to see because you want to see good attacking footy, it's fair enough. They just have to stamp it out. But then it needs to be really spelt out that hey, we're gonna try and clear this out of the game because you know. The one for us was obviously uh, with the Wallabies having it happen to Karevi in the World Cup, two two World Cups ago now. Yeah, it was against that. Wales, where it, it had just never happened before. Um, it's just it just needs to be clear and 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 put across to everyone so everyone's very aware I, of what's happening. I, if I, I don't know the, the way I, the way I feel about it is that um, the the player tackling just didn't do a good enough job. And should have got lower or got in a better position. And the, and the therefore... tricky thing is here, Craig's, is not only that you're wrong. It's it's that I mean, if, if the Where's player the is if, if the player is in a legal position, they don't have to be lower. They don't have to be what they have to be in a legal position. You can passively tackle someone all you like, mate. That's the game, isn't it? You have to be in the perfect position to tackle. If someone sticks an elbow out and hits you in the throat. That is an illegal, illegal play. Like you just cannot do that. What happens if he? And we've seen it actually earlier this year. It might have been the women's game that a player did it, 
and hit someone in the throat and she couldn't breathe and fractured her um, larynx or something like that and had to be rushed to hospital. Hmm. And that was like a month ago, mate. I mean, like, you just can't be doing that. It's character building. I don't know. Maybe, look, I'm just scarred because this is, this, it was just my go-to move back in the day, you know, just a big forearm to the face, bumping someone off. It was just... Was but you I, were never like, doing it to score a try, mate. So don't be upset. You were never that true, close. Unless, unless I was two metres out, I wasn't scoring a try, mate. It's far too far to run for me. But uh, no, look, moving on. Um, speaking of someone who can score a try with more than a few metres, um, also in this France-New Zealand game, is possibly up there as one of my new favourite players, Fosolo Tuolangi, uh, the son of probably the most feared rugby player on the planet, Henry Tuolangi. Um, and mate, he is an absolute monster. He's six foot, almost six foot five, 149 kilos, 19 years of age. And he scored two tries against New Zealand. 18, mate. He's 18. He's eight. Sorry. He's 18. My God, I'm getting ahead of myself. He's 18. He's got two tries against New Zealand. Yes, they were rolling mall tries, but they could not stop him. And then he had one of these runs where he ran about 50 odd meters through eight people and they just could not put him right. down. He's an That's absolute force. I enjoy that you said they're both rolling more tries. I mean, one was a rolling more try. One was just him rolling the rest of the fucking side because he broke away from that mall and carried four blokes and got over the line. He, he yeah. is a phenomenal athlete. But let's put, put some of this in perspective. He had four tackle busts. He had a line break. He had an offload. He scored two tries. He ran 59 metres. He had eight carries and 10 tackles of 68 minutes. He's 18 this is probably the youngest guy or, or close to it in the entire competition. How many minutes did he play? You say 60, was it 60? 68. Yeah, he played and 68. And he's the biggest mate. at 18, mate. He's already the biggest in the comp. That's what I'm about to say, mate. He, he played 68 minutes. Bloke's 150 kilos. Do you know how hard that is to play 70 minutes? It took minutes? Will Skelton dead set until his late 20s to be able to do that. Yeah, and and, and the best thing is on top of that, if it as if it couldn't get any better, is that he's the current haircut is rocking. He kind of looks like the Undertaker. He just like you know you know what I mean. He, they were playing in a game in the wet. Everyone's covered in mud. He looked absolutely terrifying. Uh, it was just awesome. So no, yeah, look, um, I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I guess I enjoyed New Zealand losing as well. But I I was loving watching Tuolangi. Look, he, he the, the tricky thing for him is what position will he be? I I don't think he'll be a lock, which is what he played here. I think he'll be in the back row and he'll probably be eight. He is extremely slow for a number yeah. eight. It doesn't matter. He still he's still running. He's going to be a lock, mate. What do you mean? No, he's, he's, 100, he's 192 centimetres. They, they have him. I think, he's, I think he was one. Isn't he 194? I thought he was six. One, I mean, he's, got, he's, he's got another five centimetres to grow. He's 18. <laughs> yeah, this is, that's true. I, I, they have him bracketed as a lock number eight. Look, if I was him, I'd want to play number eight. You know, you want to take after in the footsteps of your father. Um, even if he's a bit slow, mate, look, if he lost 10 kilos, like, he'd still be 140 kilos and he'd be probably a bit, bit faster, you know, but, um, mate, he's 145. Yeah. 135 kilos. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a scary, scary number eight. That's, that's where I want to see him. That's where everyone the wants next, to see him. The next three can develop. What do you reckon? Mate, he's bigger mate, than Graham DeVetta. We've got him sorted already. Um, yeah, I think he's already scored more professional tries. Um, <laughs> the, the game we're going to talk about next is South Africa versus Italy. Continuing the trend of the Northern Hemisphere dominance, Italy got this done 34-26. But the, the major main story out of this, it's been going all over social media, is David Odiasi, the uh, the captain, the open side flanker for Italy. I'm, I'm sure everyone now has seen his inspirational speech for the match. I was almost tearing up. I had goosebumps all over me. He's basically yelling at his team going, never again will they doubt us. Never again will they, you know, doubt me or doubt you. 
I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for your family. You're going to fight for my family. And then the boys around them just scream with tears in their eyes like they are super keen to run through brick walls or run at trucks. They didn't really care what they're running at. They were going to do it. And, geez, at first when I saw it, I'm like, this is an amazing coach. Like, this this guy's planned this out for a long time. No, he's the fucking captain. He, he's playing under-20s World Cup. And then he ran out there and he, he had a cracker game. His work rate is immense. He is a player for the future. He's, he's a name that you got to write down now and, and, and lock it in because you'll be watching a lot of this guy in the future. It, it was definitely, you know, his that speech was an any given Sunday type of vibe, you know what I mean? Just sent shivers oh, yeah. through your, your spine. But, uh, I mean, look, as if, as if as if the story of Italy beating South Africa in South Africa in the Junior Rugby World Cup wasn't enough, wasn't epic enough yet, adding that onto it, huge. So, yeah, he's he's got a very bright uh, career, you know, in front of him, so it should be awesome. But, I mean, about, about that game, I actually haven't watched the game or the highlights of that one yet. Harry, have you watched it? What did you did you make of it? Or did we see any of the highlights or anything? Nah, just the speech, mate. The speech was the highlight. There's so many games in the under-20s World Cup. It's hard to follow them all. So I watched the full game of the uh, of the Aussies, mm-hmm. and that's it. There's another one for the record. Again, we play England on Tuesday, so tomorrow night at 10 p.m. as well. So really looking forward to seeing that one. I'll, I'll give you one one thing from that um, Safa game, boys. Damian Marcus, 165-centimetre, 80-kilogram inside centre. In the bucketing down rain, playing in mud, the bloke steps someone from his inside, uh, on the inside, from his own try line, runs a full field, steps a few other blokes, and scores under the posts in the bucketing down rain. That was a phenomenal try. He is another guy to watch moving forward. Damian Marcus, guy is an absolute freak. Are we saying, like, you know, are we going to forget about Damian McKenzie and start thinking about Damian Marcus? Is that what's going on here? Oh, I wouldn't say that, but geez, he's, <laughs> you know, he, he was very, very nippy. And uh, to be able to do that in the wet weather, it was pretty inspirational for his. By the sounds of it, he's so light, he didn't actually sink into the water. Like, he just runs on top of it. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That was the difference. Yeah. Everyone was that's running it. on a treadmill, and he, he's just going off the top of, of a, a different yeah. floor. Yeah, and look, the la- the last result that I thought um, was surprising um, again, I haven't watched the game or anything, but was uh, jo- the Georgian under twenties team defeating Argentina twenty two zero, huge the Georgians, how good? It's uh, it's not good for the northern and southern hemisphere, mate. This under twenties comp is making us look trash. So I uh, I really hope that this is not a sign of things to come. And Australia, I think the re- really the writing is on the wall. Australian under-20s needs their own international competition before the Rugby World Cup, and logically that has to be, and and I think it is happening, Nels, is this right? They're having the four Rugby World Championship teams and bringing in two invitationals, or this is for the World Championship comp? Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the World Championships, the, the one you're talking about, not an under-20s one, but I, I would suspect in the next year or two we're going to see a uh, under-20s rugby champs. It has to be. Yeah, high on the agenda. Obviously, we, we've got the um, under-18s in Australia, the domestic one as well with the Reds, Tars, all those guys playing at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it, it just feels like there's a little bit of a gap there at that under-20s. And, you, I mean, a lot of these players trickle into to the Wallabies moving forward. And it, the more they can play together at younger years, the better cohesion they get when they turn up for the Wallabies. So, I mean, it, it's a no-brainer to get them playing together as early as we can. I got just one quick shout out as well. Teddy Wilson, I thought, has been exceptional for the under twenties as as the captain. He's a he's a real prospect. I hope he gets some good time next year. I hope he gets a bit of a crack. 
Yeah, look, guys, let, let's push on to the uh, the women's international footy. Obviously, the Wallaroos took on the Black Ferns at the same time that the under-20s took on Ireland, so I didn't see it all live. But um, this was a game I was really looking forward to as an opportunity for the Wallaroos. You know, they've obviously just had their Super Rugby season, their Super Rugby AU season being very competitive again, Queensland kind of pushing through and having a fantastic year to add a lot more depth. We had our international players coming back from the Northern Hemisphere, including Arabella McKenzie, who won player of the tournament up there. So obviously in fantastic form. Um, The internationals were, a lot of them were on the bench and not starting, including McKenzie. But uh, New Zealand or the Black Ferns on the other side of things, I think they had six debutantes in the side, just, you know, this big turnout in the World Cup. Um, I thought maybe riding a bit of a high because as phenomenal as they were in the Women's World Cup, they were probably the second or third best team there that managed to jag the win. Um, I know that's not going to resonate with all the New Zealand teams, but, you know, that, that, that's how I think that, that most people would have felt about it. Um, phenomenal performance from them, but I thought it was going to be pretty tight and uh, it was not, guys. No, yeah. look, speak, we were speaking of the of, of bad news for the Southern Hemisphere, um, <laughs> you know, just, just bad news for Australia in general. 0 to 50 was the final scoreline for the Wallaroos. And, um, in Australia. Sorry? With potentially, in Australia with mm. potentially the biggest crowd ever in Australian women's rugby. It was the biggest, yeah, 7,000 something. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much, there's, there's no real way. Like, you guys are very good at putting a positive spin on things. Very difficult to put a positive spin on a 50 nil scoreline. Um, I can put one positive. Okay. And it's almost a negative. That Although this, although the Kiwis had seven debutants, we didn't have a single one. So we're, we're getting these players, That's, although they're. they're there's my boy across, finding a light in the darkness. Mate, they're, they're spread across the world, getting some experience. Oh, that darkness and the light, mate. It's both. It's light, dark, dark, light. We don't you even take know it. That, we need these these girls playing together. They're they're spreading across the world, getting some you know some game time overseas, bringing it back home. But we need them all returning home and playing together. So despite that, they they were back on Australian shores and playing together. So more game time together. I think we we see them keep moving forward. This Look, was I was, not it. I, I've I've got the real uh, writing on the wall here. I think it's that. If Australia does not act very, very soon to professionalise their women's program, we are going to be so far behind that we will be stuck as a tier two nation. And I genuinely mean that. The riches on offer in the other rugby codes right now is so significant compared to what the Aussie sides are doing that it's just, you know, it's on a complete another level. Piper Duck, the captain of the Waratahs, who were seen as the favourites for the Super Rugby tournament, is off playing in the women's NRL. And instead, we haven't got her physicality in the in the forward pack for the Wallaroos. Now, the forward pack for the Wallaroos was completely outmuscled to the point where our electric backs never even got the ball. We mm. need to be keeping every single player. We need to be drawing. If you think we've only got a few sides, we should be drawing players across from the WNRL at the moment where they've got so much competition for, and and they have to pay so many more players. Like it's just a no-brainer. We should be so far ahead. It's it's incredibly disappointing mm-hmm. to see how slow we've been moving on this. And I know they keep saying, you know, there's there's progress and this is something that's going to evolve over time. But the, the opportunity is about to be completely lost. It's um it's 
it's just something that we can't go on at the rate we are. And hopefully this is the kick up the arse to say now is the time that we need to invest a hell of a lot more because it's only going to get worse if we don't. Yeah, I agree. It does It does feel dire, doesn't it? Um, you know, and it and, uh, would be a real miss, particularly given that I feel, I feel like in Australia we've been a leader in pioneering the women's game, you know, with like some of the first super rugby competition, things like that. Like we've uh, we've had Josephine Sukar at Buildcorp has really kind of channeled a lot of money and um, and kind of really held her own against Rugby Australia. I think they withdrew sponsorship once or twice because Rugby Australia didn't deliver on promises and things like that. So it is kind of really sad for us to have been pushing it forward, pushing it forward and now falling behind. It does... Does feel that way, but look, talking about the game for mine, um, I, I watched the the highlights of it. Um, the one thing that stood out for me was, I'm not sure if she, I think she was a debutant, but don't quote me on this. Um, the inside center for New Zealand, mm. uh, Brunt, yeah, Brunt, she was absolutely crushing people all game, just an absolute um, weapon, you know, just uh, wouldn't hits like hits on. I think you nailed it when you said. The the Wallaroos got um, absolutely outplayed physically, just got outdone physically. Um, the the Silver Ferns just absolutely crushed them. But for me, Brunt, who scored two tries, <clears throat> just absolutely destroyed that that inside centre channel, um, was the standout player for mine. I, I think the saving grace here is that we've got two games now in the Northern Hemisphere against USA and Canada, who a few years ago were at the pinnacle of the sport. I think they're in a pretty similar position to what the Wallaroos are. I don't think that they're making any kind of great leaps. I, I I could be out of date here, but that was the sense I definitely got from the World Cup last year. So unless there's been radical change, I think they're going to be in a similar level to the Wallaroos. We have to win at least one of those games to get a uh, a position to qualify for the World 15s uh, Tier 1 competition at the back end of this year for the Women's Rugby International Comp. And that's going to be a huge moment where, again, the exposure for our girls, who I honestly think are in huge trouble if they do get into that, they're going to have some big score, score lines against them. But it's going to be great for their development until they have a professional program. So really, really important that we win one of those. And I just really hope that the USA and Canada are uh, lagging behind the rest of the world like we are. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the biggest thing is, like, if, if we draw some similarities to the the men's game, I mean, you look, France has got a home World Cup at the moment, and, and France have really been able to invest and development, develop their pathways and their players so that they're, you know, they're, they're ranked first leading into this World Cup in terms of who's the most likely going to win the, the men's World Cup. We have the Women's World Cup only two years after the men's, 2029, we need to be investing in these girls now. We need to be able to having a, a development pathway that gets these girls to the pinnacle of the game as fast as we can because when they're playing in Australia in maybe one of the only chances they'll ever get to play a World Cup in Australia, they need to be competitive and that's how we're going to get young girls inspired to play. So uh, it, it's almost on par at the moment we need to be investing you know to, and, and it needs to be as big a priority as the men's game because both of these two world cups that we have here we need to be successful for for the game moving forward i i think our top 23 have to be fully professional next year forty yeah. thousand a year to the point where you know they're not having to hold significant <clears throat> jobs even then yeah. look the reality is forty fifty thousand that you, you kind of do need another job, to be honest, in particularly in Sydney. But um, at least then they can do some very part-time stuff and train full-time. 
Harry, maybe the plan is make them full-time professionals, give them 50000 and then move them to Perth where they're almost, you know, they're, they're doing well over in Perth. The house costs only 100000 <laughs> they'll, they'll be doing well over there. What do you reckon? That's true. Yeah, I'll, I'm all for it. Basically, it's, it wouldn't be an episode of the Drive Rugby <laughs> Show unless Nelson shut on uh, the Southers or Western Australia. Uh, so you got to do someone, someone, all the Kiwis, but they're just too good for us. Very good. Well, should we push on to the main course where um, we're going to take a look through uh, the semi-final and the final of our Smokies polls? Uh, what do you, I forget what you call it? <clears throat> one of those. Um, uh, Australia's brackets. Smoke- one of the brackets, the playoff bracket type uh, scenarios. Um, so do we, we've got it up on the screen now for those following up on YouTube, but otherwise you can catch it on the Draft, uh, draft Rugby Twitter. Um, Instagram. Now, who wants to take us through the results? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll um, give us a bit of an update. So the, we had a quarterfinal playoff, Carter Gordon beating Murphy to come up against Matt Fazler, two guys that I think had, you know, breakout seasons, both in the Wallabies squad. Um, and we had Carter Gordon winning this one 77.4% to 22.6 to, to have a matchup against the winner of either Brad Wilkin or Corey Tool. Corey Tool took that one out 70 to 30. So two strong favourites to make the final Carter Gordon versus Corey Tool. Huge. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, you, prepared, you prepared a pretty cool graphic for that one. Uh, what, what, what are the, uh, what's the, the nicknames? Mate, this is this is just having a bit of a dabble with uh, Photoshop AI. It's a bit of fun. Uh, we have uh, Maverick Carter Gordon, uh, mate. I think Maverick suits the bloke. He yeah. he does things his own way, and he's, he's an unorthodox ten, and, and I absolutely love it. And then we've got Super Tool, um, <laughs> which I think you loved the nickname Super Tool, didn't you, Kagi? Uh, look, I wasn't sure about it, but um, you know, my, my, Corey one... Hotline. We'll yeah. stick to Corey Hotline, but yeah, no. He's he's dressed as Flash. If if no one can see him, he's looking quick. He's wearing his tights, um, and he's yeah, he's he's looking very quick. I think the problem with Tool was it was really, it didn't matter what word you chuck in front of it, it still doesn't sound good. I, you know, I think I offered up Increditool or something, and that's that's still, yeah, still, still the, the problem here is Tool, not Super. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this was a this was a, a pretty one sided matchup in the end as well, right? So. The votes all came in, and uh, Corey Tool had twenty five percent, which means <laughs> that Carter Gordon was the winner, seventy five percent as Australia's Smoky of the Year. Everyone wants to see Carter Gordon get a run, which I, I love, and I think he's played such good footy. His issue is going to be Quade Cooper should play every minute of every big Test match. So I don't know when you give Maverick a, a run, but it's got to be against. Uh, a lower-ranked team, surely, just to help his development a little bit. But he, I will say, looking... I, I was going to say, I do love him being in there in the Wallaby squad to fully soak up everything from yeah. Captain yeah. Quaid. You know what I mean? Because you feel like if Quaid only played another year or two and and he wasn't there, didn't get that opportunity, you know, that's uh, that would be a huge loss. Um, yeah. So, massive. I, I, I do I wonder... Like... Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say uh, he's looking cool as a cucumber in the image, wearing his aviators. But look, I, I wouldn't be surprised after learning off Quaid, um, you know, uh, through throughout this Rugby World Cup, that that's going to you know push him forward, uh, and, and he'll get a crack in twenty twenty four. But I mean, knowing Eddie, he's probably going to hire Quaid Cooper as Carter Gordon's full time coach for the Wallabies next year. I reckon anyway, unorthodox. That's it, Eddie. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he gets him to stick around. 
Mate, he's got a big coaching staff as it is, and there's no doubt he's used to the English dollars that they can throw around. So I, I think that's a very good call. But I, I think the most interesting question is going to be, how does Quade Cooper rub off on Carter Gordon? You know, Quade Cooper, obviously such a, a confident and risk t- uh, confident player and a risk taker as a young player who, as he's matured, has become a little bit more selective or a lot more selective of the opportunities <clears throat> that he takes and how he just controls a team a lot more now. Um, do you think he would discourage that from from the Maverick? No, I, I, I actually think Quaid knows what his strengths were in the past and, and he knows that his strengths necessarily aren't the same thing now. I, I, I don't he think says he's he... faster than ever, mate. What are you talking about? His strengths was never his speed in the past. He, it was his unpredictability, his ability to create something out of nothing, where now he's he's a lot more stable, he's a lot more safe, and, and he, he's playing a very different style of footy. I, I don't think he'd tell Carter Gordon to, to cool it down. I, I think he'd tell him to embrace it and just to find the way to, to pick his times, pick his moments to, to do those things. The, we, we saw Carter Gordon this season do his crossfield kick in the goal line, and that was reminiscent of, of a young Quade Cooper. But we don't see him maybe overplaying his hand, doing a little bit too much of that, which I think, you know, at, at times we saw Quade doing it. And, and it wasn't that Quade probably did too much. It was that he didn't have good enough players around him. But it, it hasn't seemed to, to have that same that same feel from, from Carter Gordon. He seems a little bit more selective uh, with those things. So I, I think... Quaid will be able to help him find those right moments and, and when to release that rather than to stop that. I, I think the major evolution in Quaid's game was two things. One was he learnt um, to go to ground with the ball and not just throw <laughs> it away. And two was that he has now learnt how to make a tackle every now and then uh, and not avoid all contact at all costs. Whereas um, the Maverick, Carter Gordon, as we've seen from this Super Rugby season particularly, mate, he loves a bit of contact. He loves getting he loves it. And uh, we're absolutely frock on that. So perhaps maybe don't get uh, take many tips from Quaid on the defensive end. But um, if Quaid can show him how to throw one of those fifty meter rockets uh, out in front of someone, um, power to that. With love. In all, in all honesty, he probably needs to learn a little bit of being afraid by Quaid Cooper because he gets himself involved in too many rucks. We need him out wide. You know, nah, really, mate, really he's done. Nah, I'm all here for it, mate. I want him to be the first ten to score a pick and pick and drive try. You know what I mean? Yeah, get in there. For it. Hey, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just... all for it. My last point on this image before we move on to our next topic is just I think Corey, the hotline tool, would froth the fact that you've made him the same height as Carter Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, I've got him I've got him a couple inches shorter, but I've definitely inflated his size. <laughs> I agree. All right. Very good. All right. So let's push on. Um, oh, no, sorry. Before, wait, are we getting into dessert? No, choose your halves. We're going to choose your halves before we get on to desserto. Um, Professional as always, Craig's. Uh, you know, my segue wasn't quite as smooth as Harry's. Uh, Harry did really. It was it was nice. It's smooth like butter. But um, choose your halves, uh, boys. Choose I'll go for the shirtless bloke in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I had to slip. I had to slip that one in there. To be honest, I was like, how could I not? Yeah, the the incumbents. Uh, we've got White at nine, and we've got a shirtless Quade Cooper at ten. Um, all the other boys, you know, I've got their Aussie jerseys, their clubs that they're playing in. Craig's not playing in Australia. I may as well, you know, just show his rig while we're at it. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, so up and comers, you've got Tate McDermott and Carter Gordon. And the Smokies, we've got Ryan Lonigan and uh, Ben Donaldson. You, you almost forgot who he was there. Like, I mean, where, That's, where he's, he's slipped so far 
that he's gone from like the golden child of rugby in my eyes to I just forget who he is. All right, Harry, if, if Ben Donaldson wasn't in the squad and wasn't the Smokey, who who would be your Smokey for the 10 if it wasn't Benny Dick? Uh, I mean, I, I wish it was Will Harrison, but he needs to stop getting injured. Um, Noel Alessio has got to be the other one. Yep. Else? If, it, if it's not Benny Yeah, Dick. look, I mean, again, I, I exactly echo Harry's point. I wish it was Will Harrison, but he's been too injured. It'd have to be Lolaseo. I think he's he's done well enough that he deserves to be around it. And, and I mean, he's been better at 10 than Ben, ben Donaldson. He just doesn't have that versatility. Um, I really, I, I love Noah. I just think that the thing that's going to bite him in the ass so much is that uh, that try that he scored and then pointed to the camera and said Carter who? Uh, no, mate, that's... that's not going to bite him in the ass. That, Eddie would look at that and go, "Fuck yeah, that's what I want in my team, mate." Like Eddie's oh. not going to be upset that a guy's passionate and wants to get his name out there and, and prove that he's got what it takes. No way would Eddie think that was bad. All Eddie right, boys. On that. Sorry, boys, boys, boys. That's all I'm saying. Number nines, let's talk pros and cons for your three nines. Kagi, mm-hmm. run us through it. Who would you pick? What's his biggest strength? What's his weakness? And then else you can pick the next player. Easy. Nick White. Experience. Control of the game. Box kicking. Job done. Yeah, and look, Eddie has talked a lot about how much he wants a box king nine as well. So writing's on the wall there. What's his negatives? Anything? Um. Talks too much, got, maybe, yeah. but, but but Tate McDermott probably is the same problem. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think it's just getting the ref offside. <laughs> yeah. I think I thought you were going to call him out for having a much better moustache than you, Craig's. Definitely, um, they, they need to give him one of those collars with a little, um, you know, shock collar or something, and then just Eddie has a control <laughs> up in the up in the up in the booth. Just not cut it out, Nick. You know, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Well, um, just build it into the GPS tracker. Going, you know yeah. what I mean? Build it into the GPS tracker at the back of your shirt. That's how you get it done. Who's your first choice? If it's Nick White, who's your second choice and why? It's Nick White. Um, it's my, my my next choice, first choice starter, so also known as a second choice, um, would be Tate. Um, we, we know what Tate can do from the start of the match. Uh, Lonigan, uh, I think, has earned his ability to to potentially be, you know, coming off the bench for the Wallabies. But Tate is is unique in terms of Aussie rugby with his ability to snipe and pick and choose those moments. I, I think he has improved the speed of his ball. He's slowly improving his kicking game. I don't think his kicking game is up to scratch, his box kicking game. And, and I think that's the thing that's holding him back. He has apparently usurped Carter... Uh, um, Gordon from the the Tars, Jake Gordon, yeah. Jake Gordon. Jake Gordon. So um, I mean, Already they're forgotten. the two that are really battling out for for this role. Um, so f- for me, I think Eddie thinks that you know he, he's obviously fixing up those issues, and and he's got that ability to snipe and, and set a game open. I, I was a little disappointed in their quarterfinal. I think he took a, a backwards step and didn't really try to take the the game by the horns. I th- I thought he looked like he tried to just play a simple and, and simplified game and. That's not why you're picking the bloke. If you, if you want a simplified game, he's not the guy you're ever picking. So when he gets his chances, I think he needs to, you know, take those moments and, and threaten with ball in hand. Yeah. And Harry, Look, before- I, I would just say before I get on to Ryan Lonigan that this clearly is not the Wallabies Rugby World Cup squad. So I don't, I actually don't necessarily think Jay Gordon's out of the picture by any means. He's the most experienced by a long way of these three candidates. At test level, you know, I'm, I'm talk- not talking about Nick White, of course, the other three. Um, yeah. So I, I think it makes sense that you spend a bit more time with Tate and Ryan Lonigan, and then if they're not giving you what you need, then you've got Jake Gordon who will slot back in pretty quickly as a mature head. 
Um, yep. Brian Monaghan, I think his strength is obviously leadership and goal kicking. He's an excellent, excellent goal kicker. And he's obviously captain the Brumbies uh, when he's had opportunities at times as well. So obviously a very cool, calm, collected head. I think his service is very good off the base. It's probably not quite as good as Nick White's, but I think he gets there quick. He's fit and he gets the ball out a lot quicker than Tate McDermott does. And I think probably Jake Gordon as well. Um, I'm still not completely convinced by his kicking mm. game in play. I know he's got a good kick for goal and he can have he has a long boot when he sees space, but I just think off the base of the scrum, I, I don't think he's quite accurate enough yet. And I also think he's probably got the weakest running game of the four halves as well. So I don't think he offers quite as much as well. Yeah, I think, I that, think that, that, that would that would be my point is that um, yeah. I think we've discussed this before. It's that White's your test half, uh, your, your, your test half back. Tate's you're the best out and out super rugby running halfback, no questions asked. Jake Gordon kind of splits the difference. He's in between the two roles um, and can offer kind of a little bit of both. For mine, it's I don't, other than being an excellent goal kicker, um, and maybe I underrate his leadership abilities and things like that. I don't really see, and, and it's because maybe we haven't seen enough of him, but I don't see anything that really excites me or anything extra that Ryan Lonergan but, brings to the table. His pass is. In, in my opinion, miles above Tate's, and, and it's far better than Gordon's. Okay. I, his pass and his speed, his ability to, to do it and not fight us around the, the breakdown, I, I think his ability to get good, clean ball out quick is far above those two. But as you said, he doesn't offer the running game. He doesn't offer certain other things. So, I mean, if, if you're up and you need a mature, stable nine to come on, close out a game and maybe kick a penalty from long range. He's the bloke. But how do you know that that's what you need in some of these big games? You might need the spark and that sparks tape. That spark isn't Monaghan. I think it all comes back to balance. Like if you if you don't have someone that has an excellent quick long passing game and a running game, then you have to pick one or the yeah. other. So then I think yep. you have to say, well, how much strike power do we have outside of him? We have Quade Cooper who can light it up or Maverick. We have Samu Karevi who can set up tries and score things himself. We've got Corin and Betty. We've got, you know, we've got Ikeda, yeah, like you know what I mean? Like we have we do actually have a lot of strike power through the team. So if you think about it that way, maybe the best avenue is if you haven't got both, just to get someone that can give the ball out to your strike power, your experienced players outside. Yep. I think that I think that's a good shout because I, I think apart from being biased Waratahs fans, I think uh, you know going before the squad was announced and whatnot, I think we would say I think you boys would agree with me saying that um, what, when it comes down to it, World Cup, I'd be starting Nick White and I'd like Jake Gordon on my bench. Yeah, predominantly because when you bring Jake Gordon on, he can give you a little bit of either a cooler head and some experience, a la Nick White, or depending on how the game's going, he can offer some of the Tate McDermott running game, right? Whereas Tate, Tate, if you're bringing him off the bench, you're going all out. It's on a very few specific teams you'd run that out. But, um, but yeah, it's really it's really interesting to see how it plays out. And I think that's a really good way of looking at Harry, that Jake Gordon's not out of the picture, that perhaps this is the opportunity to to give Tate and Ryan a really good go. Yeah. And, guys, let's push on to the 10s as well. Uh, we've obviously mentioned at the top who they were. Kagi, mm-hmm. who's your least likely to start and what's his strengths and weaknesses? Well, Benny D is my least likely to start, um, which uh, I think will be the same answer for you two. Um, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I mean, look, he's got... I don't really know what Ben Donaldson's strengths are over Quade Cooper or Carter Gordon. Um, 
I mean, I guess he 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 he's a, he, the best fullback out of the three of them. If you want to ask him versatility, versatility, mm-hmm. mate, versatility. I don't know if I'd pick him above them. To be honest, I'd probably take Carter Gordon at fullback. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'd probably give him there. a go as well. Absolutely, but um, yeah. So I don't. I mean, look, he's 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 got some really really good tactical kicking. Um, you know, you could argue that perhaps his tactical kicking could be. Not better than Quaid's now, but but could be better than Carter Gordon's. I'm not sure. Doesn't have a bigger boot than probably Quaid or Carter Gordon. Um, yeah, it's hard to. I don't know. There's no there's nowhere really that I see other than versatility that I would be picking Benny. Nelson, do you, do you have an answer to this? Um, uh, not really. Look, I I, I think at, at times you stumped us he, both, Harry. Yeah, no, I, I think at times. Mm. He's shown he's got a very good ability to take the ball to the line and threaten with ball in hand. But, I mean, when you're comparing him to, you know, two of the best Aussie 10s, I think in a long time to do that. I don't think he's necessarily on the same level as them. But he does have an ability to find himself in space um, and make a good long pass and find blokes around him when he's in those gaps. I think... Guys, if you're looking for a positive here, you need to look back to 2022. I think you guys are letting your recency bias of his struggles in 2023 cloud your judgment a little bit here. Last year, he was the Iceman. Like, he just didn't look put off by anything. No challenge was too great. He was very much like the 23 Carter Gordon where he just didn't want to have a go in the way that he seemed to want to have a go and never seemed too overawed by the challenge. Um, you know, he, he kicked a lot of big late penalties. He seemed to control the game very well, and he seemed to back himself all the way, whereas this year his confidence has been rocked, and I think that's been taken away from him. I think I think uh, if you're listening to the pod or watching on YouTube, um, get after Harry on Twitter. You can feel it from Nelson and, and I as well just saying, uh, I, I don't think you can you can call Ben Donaldson's 2022 anything like Carter Gordon's 23. Uh, For the record, I'm not saying he was the 2022. No, that's exactly what Harry was saying. Get on. Talking I about him being so confident and backing himself and Harry, the confidence to play to the best of his ability despite the moment and the pressure, which I think Carter Gordon's done well. I'm not saying they're playing the same way. I'm talking Harry, about how unfortunate they've been under pressure. Don't feel like you have to defend yourself. We just because we don't agree, just because we don't agree <laughs> that you think Ben Donaldson's twenty twenty two season was better than Carter Gordon's twenty three. I mean, that's fine. We we don't agree with it. That's fine. I think but... it was better. I think it was better than uh, Quade Cooper's twenty eleven. Oh, all right, man. Anyway, <laughs> it, now that we've got that sound bite to replay over, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, that's right. No, look, I think, I mean, the problem you know for me is very similar. <clears throat> De- definitely recency bias for me, for sure. But the other one is that. Ben Donaldson just doesn't excite me. He's a ten that does the basics nah, like really does does the basics really well. You know what I mean? Um, delivers he, great service, makes some good decisions, but he he just doesn't um doesn't offer anything like any particular nah. thing exceptionally for mine. Whereas I, I think you're right. I think he could yeah. be your Bernard Foley. He could do his job. He could be serviceable, and he could be good. He could actually be a good player. But mm. I think Carter Gordon offers things where you look at this guy and go, he could be the best in the world at ten in a number of different measures. And I think he has the ability to do that moving forward. Yeah. I don't think Carter Gordon, you would, I mean, I don't think Ben Donaldson, you would say the same, but he has an ability to be a very good Wallabies 10. Let's get on to it. Carter Gordon, tell us why he has the ability to be the world's best 10. I've got it. Um, I was going to say, very similarly for me, Carter Gordon, I'm looking forward to watching him run over Richie Moanga 
uh, in this or, or Bowden Barrett, whoever the All Blacks throw out of 10. I, I want to he he's can be incredibly physical. He's a big man and he has some pace. Uh, he's, he's not afraid for contact, both in D and in, in offense. So that's the thing that he brings to the table. Um, whereas Quade, you know, no one, I've said it for years, I don't think anyone in the world has as good a pass as Quade Cooper uh, and can put the ball in. I don't think there's there's passes, he can put the ball in places that pe- other people simply can't can't do. Um, out, out in front of people for them to run onto. You, there's no 10 in the world you would rather have as an inside centre um, than Quade Cooper. Yeah, if you were the inside center. Yeah, look, uh, Carter Gordon at, at 189 centimeters and 93 kilos at 22. This bloke makes a tackle every eight and a half minutes, and some of them are super physical. This is a guy for a while we have had, you know, tens that have shied away from contact. He's looking for contact, ball in hand, and on the defensive side of, of the, the game as well. And, and players will be aware of where he is, you know, like. Players were aware when they had ball in hand where Paisami was, and no, he's he's not in and about the, the Wallaby squad at the moment, but they knew he was going to come in and put a shot on them. This is a bloody 10 that people are going to have to be aware of. And then ball in hand, like, if you're not switched on ready to put a shot on him, he's going to run over you. He, he can throw a beautiful pass, but he can run directly over you and make you look like a goose. So he's going to make players, you know, doubt themselves, have to pay more attention to him. He's not just going to be someone who's going to distribute that. You can give 50% of your attention to and 50% to someone else. You have to put your attention on this guy to to stop him in his tracks because if not, he's running over you, he's stepping you, or he's looking for someone that, that's going to run a gap around you. And I love hearing the uh, the Rebels coaches all say that, He's an absolute student of the game. Like he trains so hard. He does his extra learning. Like he is trying to pick up absolutely every bit of info he can off every every single coach. So his ego is not too big for him to continue to learn. So I think the world's at his feet as such a young 10 at the moment. What is he now? He's 20, 22. 22. And, and look, and my last point on that would just be this, was one of the things that really appealed to Eddie that stood out for him was it was effort. It was effort getting back in D. Uh, it was effort chasing through kicks. It was effort getting up and Mate, hitting ruck. back in the D line. Hitting ruck, exactly. Uh, like I don't. I, I, I'm trying I, to try try and think of how, when you've seen an Australian ten give that much effort in recent years. Because I don't know if I if, like I can remember one honestly. Like in all honesty, I cannot think of a ten who I think has had that effort in. And some of it's misguided. And I, I think needs to be pulled in. But I I've spent a lot of my time playing rugby as a forward saying to backs, once you make the pass, you have to then go and clear that ball out. If there's no forwards out there at that time, Carter Gordon is making the pass and it can be a cut out. And then he's making sure we secure that ball. The rebels would have lost a lot of ball, even with their good back row, they would have lost a lot of ball. If he wasn't the man blowing over and helping to secure that ball. So if he can, you know, hone that in, make his right choices, he doesn't shy away from anything on the field that needs to be done. And his work rate is immense. Harry, any final thoughts on this Carter Gordon love fest? Uh, no, we've, we've talked a lot. Um, Quaid, Kagi, you've already given your thoughts. My, my big thing for him is always going to be the balance of his decision-making. I, I want him to have a bit of that excitement and X Factor still in his game, you know, the little flick pass where you don't believe how he can get the ball out there. 
um, or the little step down the, the uh, sideline where he dummies to nobody and then falls three players. So that's what I hope we still see a little bit from him. But obviously he just seems to steer and organise the team so well that we play a lot better under him. And I think that's got to be his biggest strength that the other guys have got to learn from him. That's it. I think he's now the the general that the Wallabies need. You were touching on there's so much talent outside him. He's mature. He won't get overruled by any moment in any game, no matter what has happened, just, you know, just the last play or throughout the rest of the match. He will not get overruled. He is, he is a very mature player. But, yes, we, we all want to see him then still see those moments and take those moments because he knows he can. If he's the fastest he's been in years, he needs to be able to back himself. And, and I, I have no doubt in my mind that if he thinks something's on, he'll take it. Yeah, and if he can pass on half of his spiritual enlightenment to the rest of the squad, then um, we're in a good place, I think. So yeah. should be good. Um, Guys, right. that, mm. that is the perfect segue into mm. our Wallabies 15 that Nelson's put together uh, for game one against South Africa in... Jeez, that's a good image. I was about to say, what an image, mate, uh, for d d d deserto Uh, what an image, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank you. I, I, I'm a bit of a fan of it myself, if I say so. Oh, but look, God, uh, the amount of times Nelson's given himself a rap for anything he's produced on this podcast, <laughs> honestly, it, it, it's more no, than just gave that I can say that much. But no, look, the Wallabies 15 that we've put together, Nelson, why don't you do the honours since you put together this? How would you describe this image? Fucking amazing. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Take us to it. Uh, look, no, look, I, I, I like, we'll do what we normally do. Craig's can go type five. I'll go next five, Harry, you can go back five. Sounds good to me. The most important, the men up front with the uh, the number one, two, and three on their back. Slipper, co-captain Dave Parecki and Alan Alatoa. That is a formidable front row, and that offers a lot of leadership with the co-captain, captain of the Brumbies. You know, it's a lot of uh, test experience there, um, and Parecki's by far and out our best hooker. And then in the locks, Richie Arnold and Will Skelton is what we've gone for after the the balance of powers. We Skelton was uh you know was bloody inked in stone or whatever like, you know was for certain, and then Richie Arnold is who we've opted for over Nick Frost. You know, give or take Richie Arnold, Nick Frost, but we've gone with Richie Arnold. Yeah, look, I, I think you could definitely see Frost get a crack there as well. Um, Arnold playing overseas, having that experience, um, maybe not on the international level, but you know you know, playing across the world and, and playing a lot of footy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get the nod. Um, and I don't think Eddie is afraid to shake things up. So to bring in two very enormous experienced locks would be a very Eddie, Eddie move, I reckon. I just love that we've all agreed before the pod that Richie Arnold will probably be in the four jersey, even though none of us have actually seen him play. Like, he's, <laughs> the bloke's been playing overseas with Toulouse, and we're all just convinced from a couple of words that he said and the fact that he's just spiting the hell out of Richie's twin brother that he's going to end up starting in the four jersey no, but he, against Frost, who has been such, an absolute standout. Such is our faith in Eddie, mate. You yeah, know, that's, yeah, that's faith. It. But it, he, he also, like, they, they built their, was it their, their, their defensive structures and everything at Toulouse around him. Like, he, he has been very, very big for them, um, not just in height. Um, and uh, I think Frost is a guy that is a perfect impact lock because not only is he big, 
He's a good scrummager and things like that as well. He is very mobile. He is very quick. So I think if you had to pick between two of them, who's is the guy to come quick? off the bench? He's not very quick. Come on. But Frost, the, the Richie oh, Arnold, saying the Richie Richie Arnold myth no, legend Frost, grows Harry. day by day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Sorry, I thought you were saying Richie's very quick. My bad. My no, no, I said Frost, Frost is the better man to come off the bench because he's right. quick. He's the impact. Right. My bad. Arnold, Arnold is not that player. He's, you know, he's older. And he's not the – I mean, Frost is a unique specimen to be the speed he is and, and running in space. So that, that's something that I think suits, you know, the, the impact off the bench. Is Richie the younger twin? Because that might explain it. Maybe they're thinking he's just got the extra Look, I, 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 we've, we've all joked about it. But surely Eddie's got Rory sitting in the change rooms and he's going to go, maybe we should – Maybe you should change jerseys. They, they don't can... look as similar anymore, man. I saw a photo of them the other day. They, they've diverted away from each other. Apparently, you know, the harsh realities of building toy trucks really, really wears someone's facial <laughs> features down. Rory's aged terribly because of it. Um, boys. Well, I, th- I think, sorry, the last point on that I was going to say is just that um, he's he's a bigger body as well. He's almost yeah. 130 kilos. Um, so you put that together with Will Skelton in that locking department. And, you know, I, I don't think... I think it has often been said that sometimes we've been undermatched for power and size, but this pack that uh, Nelson's going to round out the back row for, that will, that won't be the case. This is a big pack with ought to match the power. Huge, mate. Um, let's jump across into the back row. Look, I, we've given it to Holloway. Experience and another good season for the Waratahs. The, the name that could slot himself in there, there's plenty of names, but the the one that you know we, we would have mentioned in the past is Tom Hooper. Um, I don't know if you can have two Hoopers in the starting side. That seems a bit insane. But um, Tom Hooper could could find himself getting a crack in that six jersey as well because of his work rate and his versatility. And, he, and he's another lock slash back rower. But we've gone Holloway. Hooper at seven. Again, he's got pressure from McWright um, there. I, I think the fact that he's got co-captaincy means probably we see him get a crack. Um, but I wouldn't be overly surprised if we see McWright get a crack. I think he does deserve it. And Valentini, there is no one coming for this man's jersey. Valentini is number eight. Um, we've also I, got... I find it yeah. so surprising that so many people have put dropped Hooper from the side. Now, we've been pretty vocal on the podcast that we would pick Fraser McWright. No, no. <laughs> Michael you, and Hooper. Nelson, you and Nelson would pick him. I'm picking Hooper. All right, good on you. Um, but the point is, he's the co-captain, mate. Like... <laughs> He's playing every game. I'm nah, sorry, Eddie. Fraser McRide, but he's playing every game. Fraser McRide's going to play Samoa or Fiji or whoever it is in our pool that's ranked lower, and that's it. Yes. And generally, also in the in the leadership team, mate, Tom Hooper is not starting above him in our first-choice side. If he does start above him in this test, it's only because he's getting an opportunity, and that's it. It's a very rare player that, that the, the youngster comes in and usurps the uh, the incumbent and particularly when you've got, you know, a leader of, uh, with so much experience and so many years. I mean, Michael Hooper's the most capped Wallabies captain. Um, Fraser McWright is is in the Wallabies squad and going will be going to this World Cup as the backup if Michael Hooper gets injured. That's his role uh, yeah. in, in the Cup. And similarly for Tom Hooper. Uh, Tom Hooper, he's he's just a similar mould to Jed Holloway. It's like, great, if Jed Holloway goes down, Tommy Hooper could get straight in there. He's a lot bigger, though. But um, I just think it's funny that if Hooper goes down, our team might get even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy. Look, I, I think the thing is, 
knowing Hooper, we all expect that he'll just step up in this environment. Um, he's done it again and again and again. So that that's the thing about Hooper, and he'll he'll get that chance. And I mean, he's surely going to be training the house down and, and leading the way. So that in himself, you, you'd assume gets him gets him a start, and and as he as he deserves it. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if in this rugby chance we do see Mick Wright get a start in a seven jersey. And look, I know actually I don't know whether or not he did go over on tour or not, but um, there's a player who uh, I've just gotten re-excited about, but there's been absolutely no chat about um, for the number six was Bobby Leota. Just just remembering about how good he has been the few times he's had a chance in the Wallabies jersey. He's been out too long. Oh, he hasn't he has been out too long, which he's is why he's like two devoted. good games, two good games at the end of last year after being and, trapped at that level for his entire career. And I'm all for well, there are good two games, Dougie. But All mate, I need is two good games, and I'm in. I'm on them. If you're bro. a big unit, mate, you don't have to even play, and you're and you're you're 100 on them to start. <laughs> Boys, let's go to the back line. So we got Nick White. We've all agreed on that as the number nine. And then the general, the leader, the man that's going to lead us to rugby championship glory and then World Cup glory, Quade Cooper. Smash and grab, Captain. That's it. The smash and grab. I like himself. it. Um, centers. Samu Karebi has flown over, apparently fit. So I really hope he is fit because I think we need him. Well, I'm still um, looking forward to watching him play. I'm, I can't wait to watch Karebi back in the gold jersey. No, he's mate, him and Quaid. I just Him and Quaid together. That's mm. all we need. Oh, I so love good. That. It's not all so we need, good. but it's very helpful. Mate, and, it's all we uh, want. Lenny Cattell, obviously, outside centre. I don't think anyone's coming for that jersey for a long time. He is the Wallabies answer to Lucanio and the exceptional South African outside centre. And he'll be our outside centre for years to come, I would think. On the wings, we've got Marika Korenbeti and Maki Mark Nwanganitawasi. And at fullback, we have Tom Wright, despite a couple of challenging finals games. Kagi, clearly not a fan. Kagi, obviously, Kellaway is the other option and he is injured. So who would you put at fullback? Oh, well, I was just going to say Kellaway, but... Um, he's injured. <laughs> he can't case, he's injured. He's still in Australia. In that case, Jordan Pattaya. Wait, he's still injured. Also yeah. still in Australia. Australia. <laughs> no, no, pick, uh, a, pick a healthy player. You could pick Donaldson or you could pick Hodge. Hodge. Reese Hodge. Stick him in there. Look, Four, I, I, I... Look, I mean... Eddie, Eddie's a, a special a special coach and, and he does things a little differently and he might look at this and go, we need that kick. We're going to be kicking. We're going to be scrumming well and doing our set pieces well. And and maybe he does think that Hodge is a man to, to do the job. And, and if that's the case, I think it means Tom Wright goes to right wing and Mark Nwanganitawas, he probably drops out of the starting side at the least. Well, well look, let's just let's just really uh, mix it up. Um, Marky Mark to fullback and then just chuck Vunavalu in there on was, right wing. I was going to say, mate, if we're picking any team, Vunavalu's <laughs> starting, isn't he? Yeah, here we go. Let's let's stop let's stop uh okay. coke and making up just random shit that's never gonna happen, cakes. <laughs> we we know, know Eddie we know Eddie wants to, you know, get Vunavalu firing and maybe it means he gets a crack, but we're never gonna see Marky Mark a fullback for him. But look, I, I I think realistically there there is potential that we do see some something there that we're not expecting in those back three. Corobedi is the man that is locked in without a doubt. I, I don't think Marky Mark has really Definitely locked himself in this season. Uh, I think if you had to pick on a right wing between him or Tom Wright, it probably is Tom Wright who's offering a bit more in, in some versatility. But realistically, I think Reese Hodge is your 23 jersey. The guy can play 
10 to, to 15. He And Eddie might carry two backs. Who knows? He, I'm sure he's probably got him passing off, off the, the scrum and, and trying to see if he can play nine as well. But... Did, didn't didn't Eddie joke on that um, on the Raw Rugby podcast? He goes, mate, I'm yeah. going a seven one bench, mate. Hodgie in the twenty three jersey, seven forwards. Let's do in it. In all honesty, <laughs> in all honesty, if he had if he had um, Gitto, he probably would do that. <laughs> I think at the moment, like, Gitto is still available. Yeah, true. Yeah, so was about what what can we take away from what Eddie has said in all these media appearances about how he wants to play the game and the side that we've got, and maybe if it stacks up, you know, the, the one of the big ones for me is that he said the Australia needs a way of playing. You know, we we aren't, haven't been physical enough. We need to be able to smash down the front door, but we also need to get back around the outside if we can't get through the front door. Um, and Kagi's favourite line of Eddie's short coaching tenure has always already been stated, if we had 15 common doors, we'd be going through the front door every single time. But uh, obviously that's not an option. The team that we've picked, is there enough ability to get around the outside and around the back door? Yeah. Yeah, I think there is. I, look, I, I think we have the back line there that can be, you know, coming through the centres with hard lines off Karevi, Tommy Wright slotting in and finding gaps and spaces. Uh, Corin Beatty pick and driving himself. So this uh, is I, all the I front think, door though, mate. Where's the back yeah, door no. I'm asking? I'm saying there's plenty of front door. If you, if you actually hear out a sentence, you might actually find out the context of what I'm saying. We have that ability to do all that, but then we also have the ability out wide. You know, we've got so many players that are threats in tight, as I was talking through, smashing through that front door. So the, the defensive line has to be aware of them, and, and that's going to create some space out wide. But if we listen to Eddie, Eddie says, you know, the, the possession game is dead, and, and I agree with him, and that I think it was something like 70-odd percent of tries. Yeah, scored within three phases. So he's not going to take 10, you know, 10 attempts to knock through the front door and then fling it wide. That's not what Eddie's doing. Eddie's going one, two, cross field kick, one, two, you know, second play out the back and get it to a, a wing. We're going to see maybe the ability of Avunavalu or Nawang and Edawasi getting cross field kicks. You know, there's potentially going to be an NRL flavor here and, and he's trying to mix things up and do things a little bit differently. And Australian rugby has the NRL behind it has some changes there that's different to the, the rest of the world. And I wouldn't be overly surprised if we see, you know, crossfield kicks brought in a little bit more or other things along those lines going, well, we don't have unlimited tackles. What's the point of doing 10, 12, 13? If we're going to do a few and then we need to find a way over, maybe we take our chance with the crossfield kick because maybe, maybe if we have those guys out wide, you know, it, it's as high a chance as, you know, trying to bang through that front door for so many phases. doesn't tend to happen. I think, Harry, in answering your question, um, that we've got some fantastic strategic kickers in Nick White and Quade Cooper, uh, two very seasoned players who are really good at reading the game and seeing the space that's available. It's a little bit concerning with, um, I'd say, our back three, like the back three we've named here, you know, of, of a more questionable kicking ability. Um, Corabetti is a string that he's, he's added to his bow, you know, in recent years, but I'm not sure how much kicking he's been doing in Japan. Um, and then, you know, Tom Wright and Marky Mark, not particularly known for their kicking games. If you do throw someone like a Reese Hodge or a Kellaway back there, you know, uh, lifts my confidence levels. But I think it's going to come down a lot to to Quaid's strategic kicking. Uh, and I think a, 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 a change to the game that Quaid will have been loving will have been the 50-22 um, mm. rules. You know what I mean? I think he just, he will love the, the way that that will open up space. And so not only the kicking, but... 
the result of that, of the uh, opposing team having to defend further back, just means that there is there's space available and Quaid can put the ball anywhere out in front of someone. So, yeah, I do think we can work our way around um, and not only smash down the front door. It's, it sounds like we're playing very Rassi Erasmus 2019, doesn't it? Like you get yep. up the ad line and <laughs> set yourself up for a try in the first three phases. Otherwise, you go for a contestable, basically. That's, that's what I'm reading into it. And he just wants people that are very good in the air. So... Nwanganitawasi Bonavala are going to be extra extra useful to them. Tom Wright for the pace, Kurumbetti for absolutely everything. So, you know, it, I, I think um, it, it's the writing's on the wall that that's how we're going to play. That was going to be forwards, my, my last question I was just going to say was, um, obviously, Kurumbetti, he's, he's been crushing it over there in Japan, but, um, you know, not having got to watch him week in, week out, um, and it's been a year since the tests. Is he still the like your, your first picked player in the Wallabies team? Yeah, I'm getting big nods from both the boys. And he's uh, outperformed Michael Hooper, and you keep picking Michael Hooper, so I'm definitely <laughs> picking Karen Betty. Yeah, there's no, there's no way you're not picking him. He's he's my first picked on on the team sheet every every Who? time. Karen Betty, Karen Betty is, but yeah. I was just I was just saying. I thought you thinking. said Richie Arnold for a second. Um, <laughs> well, Skelton's my number two, mate. It's a, there you go. I, I think we've also got. You know, Eddie's going to pick forwards that do their core skills, win their scrums, win their lineouts. But you look at the, the likes of Skelton, he's going to want to have guys that can be battering Rams, uh, your Valentinis, things like that as well. And, and I mean, it, Tupo fits that mold when he comes back in. They're going to be able to create spaces. If you're going to score and, and create opportunities in three phases, it's not about repetition. It's about actually having threats at every moment that could get their ball on in, in hand and create something, including your forwards. And Skelton, Tupo, Valentini, they're the guys that can do that. So I, I can't wait to see it. I have to say, I, I've said it I've said it probably too many times on this podcast, but my favourite uh, bit of rug, Wallabies rugby I've watched the last few years was has always been Skelton and Tupo both coming off the bench and just yeah. watching them take turns, hit it up, and just decimate anyone they're playing. And you now, if you add Valentini into that, because I think at that time, Harry Wilson was playing at eight. And don't get me wrong, Harry Wilson can certainly run the ball up. But can you imagine being a team having to face Tupo Skelton and Valentini taking turns running the ball? Like you need to commit two defenders minimum to that every single time. And you still know you're going you're gonna to lose Adeline. Unless you're South Africa. I can't I'm wait. This is big. <laughs> Guys, look, the... Uh... The other two questions I have for you. Number one, we've got five internationals in this team and legally at the moment now in Rugby Australia's policies, we are allowed three. So does that mean that we'll just assume that Eddie's getting his way and we can pick as many as we want? No, we're yeah. not assuming. Eddie's been told he's getting his way. Is no, he? I mean, they've said the whole way. They go, whatever Eddie wants, Eddie will get. But And then Eddie, when Eddie's asked, he goes, oh, I need to look at it and decide what's best. But they've come out and said whatever Eddie wants, Eddie gets. Like if he yeah. if he thinks they need more, they need more, and that's what they're getting. Look, it, it, Michael Checker tried to get his own way, and unfortunately, in the last couple of years of his uh, coaching tenure, di- didn't. And he kind of had uh, didn't get his own way with management. But Eddie Jones would have stipulated in his contract what I say goes, mate. You know what I mean? He goes, that's that he'd have it. There's no question. Yeah. If and and I don't think this will be set in stone. I think this will be what's needed for the World Cup. Smash and grab. He's sold that to the, the staff uh, at Rugby Australia going, this is a smash and grab. Let me do whatever I want, and then we can decide moving forward in 2024 what we're going to do. 
Now, what he would have said is that smash and grab, uh, uh, the smashing applies to your rules and regulations and the grabbing applies to any resources I need to make this happen. Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Love smash it. and grab all throughout, mate. And yeah. uh, last question, boys. Do we play the Springboks A team, B team or a mix of both? Mate, we, we play the Springboks B team and, and it's disrespectful and for that, I hope we win for the first time over there. Uh, it's been touted. It's been put up uh, on what they think the the Springboks back line is. It's, there's a few articles. There's a few people talking about it. But it's saying Reinach at 9, Libok at 10, uh, Esther Heisen and Am at 12, 13. Moody, uh, uh, who have we got at 14? Uh, uh, Aliyah uh, Aronza. Aronza, yeah. Yeah, and then LaRue at 15. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, to be honest, I don't think that's that bad a backline. Like, like it's, it's not, not bad, like, mate. It's just not their eighteen. It's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the approach that the South Africans are, are going to take, and um, look, I, this... I think still think it can be incredibly difficult place to win a game. You know? Oh, mate, but... of course it is. We've never won there. That's mm. probably a, a hint that it's not that easy. <laughs> but look, I, I think one of the things is Eddie. Eddie is going to try to go, boys. This is a year we create history. This is a year we do things that no one can believe. And it starts here, you know, breaking this hoodoo for for the Wallabies over in, in, in Loftus. And, I mean, the Springboks, no doubt, have come out, you know, in the past saying we're going to keep our best side at home and we're going to send our B team away. This year they have decided that is not what they're doing by all reports. So Eddie is selling this to the boys that this is absolute disrespect to you guys. If you can't turn up and put on a show day one in the rugby chance when we've got a small time to the World Cup, when people are disrespecting you like this, how are we going to be able to do anything this year? So the Wallaby is going to come raging. Can I actually, can I give you a hot take here? I actually reckon that Eddie, the mastermind, um, he's actually negotiated with uh, the South African Rugby Union and said, look, as the defending champs, you guys have enormously high expectations on you. You actually want to lose your first game just to really temper ex- temper expectations. And the Wallabies, we really need a boost. We really need to get this win to break the hoodoo, just make the World Cup more competitive. So, you know what I mean? Let's just negotiate a deal. Um, I, I forget exactly how the pools play out in the Rugby World Cup as to when we could possibly play South Africa. I don't know if it's all the way in the final. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie he's just he's figured it out, mate. You know what I mean? Just temp, temper the expectations over there in South Africa. There's um, there's uh, there are a few injuries I would say as well. They got Khaleesi out with his meniscus injury, I think, for him, wasn't it? Yeah, Even yeah. Exactly. is listed as injured, and Andre Pollard as well. I'm not sure what they were like. Pollard a hammy or something? Uh, yes, was Pollard at ruled out of the World Cup as well? I don't think so. No, I don't know. He's potential, <clears throat> I think he potentially was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, look, I, I, um, if they, if they do play a, a relative B team, like it's still going to be a good team. They have a lot of depth. Of course, you know, they will. They're right up there with France, right. England, and and New Zealand as the the teams of the most depth in the world. So yeah, I, I, I think the the last pod we went through the announced squad and we were amazed at how similar it is to the last World Cup, just in terms of the the level of experience. And it's it's an older squad, you know what I mean? But just a hell of a yeah. lot of experience in that squad. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. no matter what, they're a scary side. Look, I've I've got um the the rest of the draft squad out here that's that's been released. Again, we don't know if it's true or not. They've got Vermeulen at eight, Peter Steff Dutoit at seven, which is obviously their blind side. Marco Van Staden at six with Khaleesi injured. Uh Snyman at five, Jean Klein 
uh, at four, uh, so making a debut for them. Franz Malherba, Bongi Mbunambi, obviously suggesting that Malcolm Marks will be sent uh, overseas and Ox Nche, uh with Marks being sent, uh, Kitschoff being sent overseas as well. Still a very good side. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I was just looking up how old Vermeulen was. I was just looking up how old Vermeulen is. How old do you think Vermeulen is? He's like 39. He's, 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 he's very old. He's 37. I think he's either just about to turn 38 or he just yeah. turned... I think he's just about to turn 38. I was like, wow, he's another World Cup. Huge. He's not young. <laughs> no. I love the Miller, though. Yeah, no, he's good. Very good. Um, Guys, so we know nothing about the teams and what the tactics are for this game. So let's just get a tip quickly. Australia versus South Africa by how many? <clears throat> Nels, we'll let you go first, mate. You're always on the tips. Mate, if you asked me without Eddie, I was going to say we lose by 30. Uh, with Eddie, I've you know I've bought the chockies. I'm eating one a night, and I'm getting more and more excited. A bit fatter too. Uh, the Wallabies are going to do history. I don't I don't think they should, and I don't think this is a real fair bet. Don't listen to this if you're betting. But I'm going to say the Wallabies are going to win by three. Dougie. Nice one. Yep, drinking the Kool Aid, mate. Wallabies by five. Yeah, Wallabies <laughs> by seven. I think. Yeah, but boy. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. We'll listen back to this and enjoy this later. And New Zealand versus Argies, boys? Yeah, the Pumas yeah, by... Argies no, to get it done, for sure. Uh, who are the is that going in Argentina? That is the first game in Argentina? I I don't even know. Yeah, I think I think so. But no Will Jordan, which is, is a bit of concern. Um, it sounds like I think it is related to his head. Um, and yeah, they said it was. That, 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 that's actually quite deeply concerning. you got to feel for the bloke. But mm. it, it means we get to see the... the Potential debut of Shooter Stevenson. Obviously, we might see D Mac or someone else back there, but Shooter Stevenson really, really deserves a chance. Um, and I'm really excited to see him get it. He's really earned earned a crack. So hopefully, he gets it. Yep, huge. All right. Well, look, that's the main thing. Great discussion, boys. That's another episode of the Draft Rugby Show, the show they play in heaven. Um, pretty pumped for Test Footy to come back next weekend, and. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be potting next week or the week after or whatever, but uh, we'll we'll see how we go. It was a great season of Super Rugby. What's it, what do you, you mean? Nelson's okay, going to be up 24-7 with a new baby. We know, so you may as well record a podcast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Very good. Um, Madam, any any already, final thoughts or comments? Time to end the pod. I've already told him <laughs> to get up and do the, the night feed. Nelson's freezing now. He's yeah. just to give us his words of wisdom. Instead, we've just got him flexing and biting his lip on YouTube. <laughs> this is why the video format's the best. It is great. It is good stuff. <laughs> All right, boys. Well done. Uh, we'll thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again in the next one. Uh, I am here. I don't... Hooroo! <laughs> <laughs>